0: Take your Bible with me today, join me in the book of Mark if you would please, Mark chapter number 13. We continue our, our series of sermons, studies, teaching, preaching, whatever we call it in the book of Mark. been there about over a year now and it don't take me long to understand something, just a year or two. We'd like to welcome all of you joined us by way of live stream and radio around the world, wherever you are. Hope you enjoy uh, and get something out of the message today. In the book of Mark, chapter number 13, Jesus has spent the last two chapters, chapter 11 and chapter 12, in the temple. And... uh, We're going to show you a slide of that temple if uh, they have it ready. And uh, I want you to look at it if we have it. I know we do. There is the temple that covers some 50 acres. The temple site, you see there is the immediate temple site. The beautiful gate there to the front that enters the temple. On into the Gentile court, the women's court, the priest's court. Over in the corner is the treasure that the lady uh, was casting in her living last week. And uh, we want you to just think about that temple a minute. Around the top of the temple... Is overlaid marble with solid gold. This is the national shrine of the Jewish nation. The temple is a national shrine. The synagogue was the local establishment for Jews to worship. But in a Jew's lifetime, their heart's desire was to attend the temple worship on the Day of Atonement. And as many as one million Jews crowded in the city of Jerusalem And it is said that the temple proper area, over 200,000 worshipers at a time, could be in the temple area. Please now, as we think about our Lord has been in that temple area for two chapters, three or four days. We read now verse 1 of chapter 13. And as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. What manner of stones and the buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said unto him unto them him, "Seest thou these great buildings, there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down." And as he sat upon the Mount of olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately. Tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled. For our information, I would ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. And this is Matthew's writings concerning the same time frame, but he adds just a little bit more detail for us that we might understand today. Our subject is, ready or not, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is coming again. Ready or not. I don't know if you know this or not, but the economy, God, the economy of God does not revolve around just you. God will not be asking you what he can do next. Not with you, through you, or to you. Ain't that nice? There's more to the plan of God than just you. Now I know to you, your whole world revolves around you. And you're concerned today about what is going to take place with you. You're at church today. But you do not want to have to stay too long. As if you were doing God a favor by being here. It might surprise you today. That God will not be calling you to see what he may be able to do next. So ready or not, he's coming. Believe it or not, he's coming. So if you would allow me today... To take a little bit of your time. I will tell you what God is going to do next. Whether we are ready or not. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 24. enlarging upon what the disciples asked the Lord and as he sat upon the mount of olives verse 3 the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be what things when the temple will be totally annihilated and destroyed. One. Number two. Tell us what shall be the sign of thy coming. Number three. And of the end of the world. Don't get mixed up now. That is what the disciples asked our lord to tell them teach them enlighten them as to this magnificent wonderful Ephesus, beauty beyond description one of the world's wonders in all the world when will the temple be destroyed Notice now between verse 2 and 3, there is a amount of distance. Verse 1, he's leaving the temple. Give me the temple, Brother Andrew. Number 1, he's leaving the temple, verse 1. Number 3, there is quite a distance between verse 1 and verse 3. Because in verse 3, he's now seated on the Mount of Olives. Quite a distance, quite a time frame has taken place. Notice if you would believe, as the disciples and our Lord was leaving this beautiful Ephesus. I have read and read and read and read, but the stones in the temple were completely hewn, sized, shaped, In the quarry, brought to the temple area, placed in shape without any mortar, without any concrete, and perfectly joined together. The stones could have weighed as much as 200 tons apiece. No bulldozers. No cranes, placed in shape. The stones could have been 40 to 47 feet long, 12 feet thick, 18 inches high. The disciples looked at that and commented about, in your Bible, Mark chapter 1, the stones. Massive. Massive. Marble stones placed in perfect place and overlaid with solid gold. Can you imagine in the evening as the sun was set, what an amazing sight that polished marble building would be. Extending in the air to about nine to ten stories. Covered with solid gold on top, and the disciples commented about the beauty of this temple. Lord, look at the massiveness of the stones. Lord, behold the beauty of this building. Do you think maybe it's possible that the building, the temple has now become that which God did not mean it to be? But now they were more reverent to the temple. They loved the temple. The building had taken the place of God. Religious But religiously lost. Wow, Jesus, look at the beauty of the massiveness of this temple. Can you imagine the significance, just like a Muslim? must make a journey to Mecca in their lifetime. A Jew felt that they must take a journey and make at least one visit to the national shrine, the temple. Jesus kind of knocks the legs from under the disciples. He said... If you notice in your Bible, he said something about this temple. He said, seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another. That would have been absolutely mind-boggling for Jesus to tell these disciples that there would be a day that there would not be one stone left upon another. Through the archaeological digs in Jerusalem... Over the many, many years, they've never been able to find one stone as massive and as huge as they are still stacked upon another. Proving that Jesus is who he said he was. Not one stone. We have another picture of the total layout, and there's the layout of the temple area. Herod, King Herod, has now rebuilt, magnified, and enlarged Zerubbabel's temple that was rebuilt in Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. And Herod is a great, great architectural king, beautifying everything around. Kind of like the city of Burleson. They don't care what it costs us as long as we do it like they want it done. Amen. Billy, can you have an amen? amen? An area covering 30 to 50 acres now, enlarged by Herod, built by Herod to be one of his One of his legacies. But Jesus said there'll be no legacy. About 40 years later, the Jews and the Romans got in a small tussle. They were fighting. They were at war. And in your Bible, in the book of Luke chapter 21, it will be described about people surrounding Jerusalem i do not know how it happened but jesus did tell the disciples not one stone would be left upon another titus and the romans in 70 ad surrounded jerusalem and besieged jerusalem and conquered jerusalem with the temple site i've read several editions But the Caesar told told Titus, do not destroy the temple. Do not destroy the temple. It's it's a magnificent one of the world's wonders. Seated now where the temple site is is the dome of the rock. A mosque sitting right where Ornid's threshing floor was seated on the capstone of that rock where the Holy of Holies was. Not too many years ago, the King of Jordan sold one of his houses in England and gave $80 million just to cover the dome of the rock with solid gold. Mind-boggling. What if I were standing in your living room one week before nine eleven, and I would say to you, "In two weeks, there will be no twin towers." You would think I was crazy. You would think I'd be out of my out of my out of my area. (laughs) In two weeks, those two gigantic twin towers that mark New York City will be gone. Would that be hard for you to believe two weeks before 9-11? How difficult do you think it would be to try to convince 12 disciples that in just a few years, a temple... That had been standing as the legacy of God Almighty had been there, yes, since Solomon. And Solomon's temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and then rebuilt by Zerubbabel and now has been beautified by Herod the king. It will be destroyed. Not one rock will stand on another. Hard to believe. Jesus, did you have a nap last night? What have you been smoking, sir? Hard to believe. But yet, just like everything else Jesus said, when Titus and the Romans took over Jerusalem, I've read more than one account that accidentally the Roman soldiers in their drunkard stupor accidentally caught the temple area on fire. And the heat radiated and melted the gold. And it ran down between the cracks of the large stone. And to get the gold. The Romans. Completely turned every stone. Over. To get the gold. Accidentally or not. By fire or not. By cold chisel. Hammer or jackhammer. Just like Jesus said. 70 A.D. Not one stone was left on another. What a coincidence. Some folk just have all the luck. If you believe in luck. Lord, tell us when these things shall be. And Lord, tell us the signs of your coming. What's going to be taking place? What's going to be happening? How will we know? How will we know to get ready? How will we know to watch? How will we know that when Jesus is coming... Again, Well, let's see. Verse number five. Now may I help you just a little bit, all you theologians. I've looked in this chapter and I have not been able to find the rapture. Although the rapture will take place as recorded in 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians, it will take place. And we will be taken out of this mess before it really gets messy. And we will be in heaven with our Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb. After the judgment seat of Christ, no hallelujahs and so and so he, we have here Jesus talking about his second coming, not the rapture. Notice the Bible says, and Jesus answered them. And began to say, take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation. Up until this time, it was army against army, tribe against tribe, king against king. But before Jesus comes back, there will be national wars, world-wide wars, and rumors of wars. That's United Nations. And there shall be earthquakes in divers places. There have been more earthquakes in the last one hundred years than in all the years previous to the last 100 years. In places, in places that are diverse. And there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. If you like, you can write down right there, the beginning of the tribulation period. The beginning of sorrows. Just because there's wars and rumors of wars does not mean we're in the tribulation period. Just because there's famine and diseases does not mean that we're in the tribulation period. All of these things must be. All of it. Don't let anybody deceive you. The end is not now. Let's read on now. You say, Preacher, are you going to preach? Well, I think Jesus is doing a pretty good job. I don't think I need to try to improve on that. Notice now, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils and in the synagogues, and you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, not for your sake. These people are living for God. These will not take the mark of the beast. These depend on God. They live by faith and not by sight. For my sake and for a testimony against them. And the gospel must be first be published among all nations. You say, well, Jesus came back because Jesus can't come back in the rapture until the gospel is preached. No, this is after the rapture, and they'll be preaching of the gospel around the world. And it must be preached into all the world. The Bible said, verse 11, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought before what you shall speak. Neither do you pre- meditate but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that speak ye for it is not ye that speak but the holy ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death. And the father the son and the children shall rise up against the parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my for my name's sake but he That shall endure until the end. The same shall be saved. Now we've. Come. From the temple. Area. And Jesus predicts. The temple will be destroyed. And in about 40 years. His prediction came to pass. He changes from predicting. To prophesying. And he starts talking about. Prophesying about the. Coming tribulation period. Notice now we re-read in verse number fourteen, and we are now in the middle of the tribulation period. Some time, if you have time, take your Bible in Revelation chapter number six, and you'll read in Revelation chapter number six, which is not in chronological order in the book of the Revelation. But You will read in Revelation chapter number 6 about a man who rides across the world's surface in a time of turmoil such as we've read and in a time of chaos such as we've just read. In a time when sickness and cancer and viruses and all kinds of of pestilence are upon us and uh, when the economy has gone south and Brother Obama has done all he can do to help this nation. And when this world is in such a chaotic mess. That it seems like nothing. Will suffice. The Bible says. And there appeared a white horse. And he who sat upon it. With a bow. No arrow. No bow. Just a bow. A white horse. And he says to this world, I've got the answer. His name is the Antichrist. He has more suave and polish and charisma than you can imagine. And when this world is in such a turmoil, a chaotic mess, wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, disease, death... No money, no food. He says, follow me. I've got the answer. And for three and a half years, he rides a white horse, a horse of peace. A horse of plenty. For three and a half years. At the end of that three and a half years after this temple has been rebuilt in Jerusalem and the Jew are now offering sacrifices and the religious system has been reestablished and everything is so good. We're following Mr. Suave Polish Politician. And in the middle of the week. He walks into the temple area. Notice what he does. In verse 14. But when ye shall see. The abomination of desolation. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Now be careful. Standing. Where it ought not. Standing in the Holy of Holies. The abomination of desolation. He now gets off of his white horse. And he climbs on another horse. Black. War. The Antichrist stands... (laughs) In the Holy of Holies, in the temple of God, and proclaims himself to be God. Preacher, what happens then? Oh, let's just see. Let him that readeth understand. Then let them that are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house. Neither enter their inn to take anything out of the house. Let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child and them that give suck in that day and that day in those days. Pray ye that your flight be not in the winter for in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created under this time neither shall be and except the Lord shall shorten those days no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake Whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. In brackets, he is the Antichrist. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. <laughs> but I'd cough to let you think about those verses. <laughs> you said, "Preacher, when you start preaching, I don't think I need to say much about that. Lord, tell us when these things shall be. And Lord, show us, tell us the signs of your coming. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, diseases. There are vi- viruses that we have never heard of that's on their way. A few years back in Kansas, a few soldiers was burning manure. That's a very innocent thing. Suddenly the soldiers began to get sick and they diagnosed them as pneumonia some of the soldiers shipped out and went to Europe before they corralled that terrible disease 50 million people had died because of the breeding and the development of a strange virus Because of burning manure. HIV or AIDS. A hundred million people in the world are affected and infected with HIV virus. How many different kinds of cancer do you think there really are? A million people a year die from cancer. You cannot watch your television if, unless you hear about another war someplace. Yep. Did you ever remember in your lifetime when there was not a war or rumors of wars? I wonder maybe, have we got enough sense to say, Lord, if there ain't no more temple, that must mean you are who you say you are. Amen. And Lord, are we so selfish and so caught up in our little, little, great, big, wonderful world that we cannot recognize the fact that Jesus is coming. Amen. He's coming. Amen. Ready or not. Amen. He's coming. Amen. And then he describes something for us. I got to close. You say why? Because I've told you everything I know. <laughs> In fact probably i fudged on a lot of it. I told you some things I don't know. But he gives us seven or eight signs, and I put it down in your notes. And I don't have time to do it, but I want you to look very quickly. Sign one, verse number six. The Bible says in verse number six that there will be false Christ. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Jim Jones had a Kool-Aid party and killed 913 people. Jim Jones taught and believed that he was the reincarnated Christ. The reincarnated Christ. Well, I'll never follow anybody like that. You watching anybody on television you don't know? Are you watching anybody on television you don't know what they're doing with the money that you're sending them? Are you watching anybody on television that smiles from ear to ear and has a following like no other and money running out their ears and you're so broke you need a cosigner to pay cash and you're buying their dumb books. Sign number one. False Christ. Sign number two. Wars. Verse number seven. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, so forth and so on. You can't watch television. Sign number three, sign number three, verse number seven, if you would please. The Bible says that there will be time. This must be need be and the end is not here. In verse number eight, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in diverse places. Somebody said, well, I'm not moving to California. There's a fault running across California. Hey, if you're in an earthquake, it won't be your fault. You're welcome. God don't need no earth fault to shake this thing up. When our Savior died, he shook things up. And when Elijah was hiding in the cave, he shook things up. And when Moses met him on top of Mount Sinai, he shook things up. And I'm here to tell you today, when he gets ready to come, he's going to shake things up. Whether you're ready or not. Sign after sign, sign after sign, he gives us. And then notice, he talks about the great tribulation. The time when the temple is rebuilt in verse 14 Through verse number 23. And then he talks about something that is very unusual. Notice verse 24 and 25. And I'd like to just complement that with a little section out of Revelation chapter number 6. Are you ready? I'm going to do it whether you are or not. Notice verse number 24. Lord... Tell us about the destruction of the temple. Lord, tell us about the sign of your coming. And Lord, tell us about the sign of the end of the world. Let me read for you. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened. And the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall. And the powers that are in the heaven shall be shaken. Preacher, what are you talking about? Could I read for you Revelation 6 verse 12. Look at this. And I beheld... When he opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great, what's the next word? Earthquake. Earthquake. I don't know if you know it or not, but this world is wearing out. Would you please tell me anything that we use that don't wear out? Unless you're with Moses for 40 years in the wilderness. We're trying to save something that is wearing out. Oh, I can't believe the ice caps are melting. I can. I can't believe about the ozone being damaged by all you Baptists smoking. I can. Tell me something that you can see, touch, feel, that don't wear out. Why should it surprise you that this world might be wearing out? You say, Well, I ain't coming back. I didn't I didn't ask for this. Well it's not a bad show for a dollar, is it? And it was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and hair and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together and every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. And who shall be able to stand? Now in Mark, we read verse twenty six. Verse thirteen, verse twenty six. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming. In the clouds with great power and glory. Not on a white mule with fig leaves thrown on the ground. Not on a cross paying for your sin. But in power and great glory. Some of you folks don't look like you're ready for that. <laughs> Could I squeeze an amen out of somebody? Amen. Whether you're ready or not. Whether you want it or not. He's coming. Isn't that wonderful? You said, preacher, you've told us more than we wanted you to tell us. I'm just telling you what he told the disciples. They wanted to know. How could this magnificent Ephesus be torn apart? Simple. I'll just cause a little stir between the Romans and the Jews and we'll take care of that gold God, that you've got over there in Jerusalem. And then for we who wants to see, he said, I'll give you the signs. And when these things are happening, you might ought to be careful. Let me ask you, in your heart, are you looking for the undertaker or the upper taker? That'll make a difference. Are you looking for a hole in the ground or a hole in the sky? That'll make a difference. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, Are you one of his beloved? Beloved, it did not appear what we shall be. But we know that when we see him, we shall be made like him. And everyone that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself, even As he is pure. Are you ready. To meet Jesus Christ. Face to face. Would you invite him to your living room. And would you have to clean out some things. That he would not read. Or would not watch. Or would not drink. Could I squeeze an amen. Out of some Baptist folk. And every man that hath this hope in him. What hope? That Jesus is coming soon. Lives just like he's coming soon. I wish I had time to read for you Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 through 16. I don't. But I'm going to give you Jesus' advice that he gave the 12. Look at the last verse in Mark chapter number 13. And the last word. Are you watching for him to come? Are you ready for him to come? Have you come to Jesus for his saving power? Are you washed in the blood, in the precious blood of the Lamb? Lord, tell us, tell us. Lord, tell us. What would you like for us to do right now? Get saved. Get right. Stay right. Watch.